I'm Arya Schwartz, along with Eli Horowitz, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Podcast, a six-week deep dive into each team in the WNBA. This week, we got the Connecticut Sun and the New York Liberty. Quickly right now, we're just going to do a quick free agency update. Not much happened, but we did get some information on preseason games or some exciting stuff, but nothing really worth, worth our time. Um, Eli, let's hop right in. You can say hi to the folks if you want, but we're talking Connecticut Sun. We had an opportunity with speaking to head coach Kurt Miller earlier today and asking him a few questions. I point blank asked him, who's starting, JJ or Shanae? Because I think that's a thing that a lot of fans have on their mind. And we as fans and people who follow the league intensely have been discussing and debating that for weeks. I mean, ever since uh, the season really ended for them, um, it's been on our mind. His response to that was he's not focused on the start. He's focused on the finish. And I think that says that's obviously slight sidestep or a full sidestep of the question. But more importantly, what it says is we can't be thinking, all right, right away, Shanae has her sea legs on her. We can't be thinking, all right, we're there and we're fully healthy and let's move forward from that because that's just naive thinking. Um, as a coach, Eli, I know when I you weren't on the call with Kurt with me, but when we spoke about it, you had some thoughts on it. Can you share what your thoughts were about that, about that statement? Well, it's, you know, it's an interesting statement. Um, obviously I think, I think he's genuine in the sense that they haven't even had a practice with those two together. So to think that on March 1st, you know, he definitively knows what the starting five is going to be, um, is I, I think it's probably fair. I don't think he's, you know, withholding anything. Um, I, I think probably any coach would tell you, like, they're not going to announce a starting five until training camp. But I think what's interesting about it is, and, and we've talked about it, is what maximizes the value of John Quell Jones? Because I think she had a breakout season, became like the best rebounder in the WNBA, someone who can shoot the three, someone who can protect the rim. and she played the five last year. And you brought up an interesting point in your discussion with Kurt that it seems like Shanae really is a five, skill set-wise, in his mind. And so how do you kind of see that playing out where maybe they can play together, but both of them are better independently if they're the five? Well, it's something that we've discussed on our own, which is, you know, Last year, they had a lot of injuries. So, you know, they didn't have uh, Morgan Tuck when they needed her, and she had some injuries. Alex Bentley had some injuries. So so they've had, a, a, I think, in all honesty, that's been good for the team because, you know, one of the questions I asked him was, Shanae's the, the face of the franchise. And his response was, that's great, but I'm not going to start her because she's the face of the franchise. I'm going to put out the team that is going to get us the best chance of winning championships. I'm going to do what's best for the team. And what's best for winning rings, and obviously that's a response you always want to hear, but I think there's a lot to be said with it, especially with how deep this team is, that you can maybe say, oh, you know, JJ and Morgan are amazing together, that's a killer combo, or Shanae and Morgan are a killer combo. Like, you have the ability, also with Alyssa Thomas, don't forget, the all-star, you have this ability of, of mixing and matching and playing all these different things, and like you said, how are you going to get the best from JJ and the best from Shanae and the best from all your players. And I think that's kind of one of the big question marks on this team going into the season is, you know, do you say Shanae is a true, a true five and JJ's skill set is just a little bit more flexible. So naturally she's going to go to the four, or do you say it's better for the team to only start one of them? Well, that's the thing. Like, they can play together, but let's take offense start. Like, they can play together on offense pretty well because Shanae can post up and John Quell can step out, run pick and pop with Jasmine Thomas, shoot the three, drive to the rim. Um, you know, kind of like she did with Alyssa Thomas, where she still po she posted up, but she was able to play inside and outside, and Alyssa Thomas could kind of do the dirty work inside. But... Last year, defensively, then it almost shifted where then Jones was really the five on defense while Alyssa Thomas was the four. Now, if Shanae is the five on both ends, 
Now John Quell's guarding on the perimeter against stretch fours, and now you don't maximize her ability on the defensive glass. Or Shanae's guarding fours, and you don't maximize her ability as a shot blocker and a rim protector. So it can def- my bigger point is it can definitely work to play them together, but are you maximizing their individual skill sets, or is Jones going to have to play a different type of role to coexist with Shanae when maybe it should be Shanae who's having to adapt to John Quell? There's a lot to be said about that. I mean, I think as far as the message I was getting from Kurt and kind of how we look at it also, defense is the one that is going to have the question mark on it for this team. Offensively, I mean, they have lights out shooters. They got people who can handle the ball. They got people who can feed the ball. You know, JJ's an amazing passer, a really underrated aspect of her game. How can they make it work on defense is the question that all fans are racking their heads about. And we talked about this in past podcasts where you might have a player playing, you know, in on your team, she's playing the five, right? But when you get to decide when the other team's on defense and they're deciding how they're going to play things, you know, they can say, well, we're going to mix it up. So I, I think when you're on defense, you kind of have the ability to, you know, take advantage or like often people, I think, think, okay, the offense sets the tone, but I think defensively you have this opportunity with fives and fours who, who fit different skill sets. You have the ability to kind of set the tone and say, yeah, you might be using your, your flex as getting out to the perimeter. So we're going to put our four on her and we're going to keep our five down low and vice versa. So I think it's a really interesting thought of just how they're going to, like you said, maximize the potential and, you know, which one of these players, is it going to be, you know, a depth thing that they're going to be working as a team to make a deep, deep team, or are they going to be working to make one killer lineup? Well, in the regular season, they have four with between Morgan Tuck, Alyssa Thomas, John Quill Jones, and Shanae Gumakwe. I mean, it's going to be scary because you're going to have 40 minutes of quality production from your four and five spots, no matter what combo they do. And I know Kurt even mentioned, you told me that they may even try playing three at a time. So um, I think the bigger question is, like you said, and he even said himself, it's who finishes the game. Right, you got four players there that you know merit finishing the game. I mean, maybe Morgan Tuck's probably a, a bit of a distant fourth, but who knows? I mean, this will be her third season, and she could have a you know she's someone who's in a bigger role in another team might could you know be putting up a lot more than the six seven points she has. Um, but I think that's the biggest question: who's going to finish games? Um, you know, Alyssa Thomas, she was an all star last year. And she showed an ability to play on uh, effectively on both ends of the floor. And so now you're going to have a real conundrum where, you know, you might be able to play two of them, but I mean, other than experimental lineups, we have three, you're not playing all three of them. So who are you sitting down? You know, because Jones and Alyssa Thomas were all-stars last year. And, and you know that they can work together. I mean, I, I do want to point out, though, real quickly, last year before Morgan Tuck's injury, she was leading the team in scoring. So, like, I mean, there's a lot to be said about what you just said, which is on another team where she's getting bigger minutes, she could be a much bigger role or a much bigger name in this league. And, and that's what's so, you know, scary about Connecticut is they have Morgan Tuck, who, like you said, you know, she only averaged 5.4 for the year last year, but was hampered with injury and was limited in playing time, playing behind Jones and Thomas. And then you have Alex Bentley moving over to the guards a little bit, who came, I think, I believe she had overseas commitments. And so she missed the start of the season. So she ended up coming off the bench for much of the season. But she was their second leading scorer right there with Shanae um, two years ago. So. I mean, this team has probably seven or eight players who would start on probably half the teams in this league, if not more. So there's no doubt in my mind. That's a great point. So, I mean, and again, that's a great problem to have, okay? I mean, I can just hear the Chicago fans and the Las Vegas fans being like, 
you know, well, screw you guys. Like, we'd love to have these players. And I obviously don't doubt that. And that's why, to me, they are the third best team in the league. But I'm saying in order to beat a L.A., in order to beat a Minnesota, who who are those five that are in down the stretch? Um, and, and that's that's going to be the fascinating thing with them this season is when it comes time to the playoffs, who are the five with two minutes left in a game that are in? Yeah. I mean, deciding that final lineup. And I think – Again, it's a great problem to have. Oh, we have so much skill and we have a lot of youth that we can use. Um, you know, back to Alex Bentley. Bentley, like you said, she she had an early season injury. So she was the original starter. She had an injury and overseas commitments. And then she came back and this team was just rolling. So they said, you know, you're, you're not starting anymore. And I think that feeds in, that and, and the depth of this team feeds into something. Because if you want to be... A champion like the Lynx, like the Sparks, you need to have the mindset that we that we hear the cliche coaches and and all the cliches of, of it's team first championships and then it's about me. But what we've seen from this team, at least so far, is that's true, and they really have have taken on Kurt Miller, the head coach's style. Something interesting that Kurt mentioned that that I want to get your take on, um, and we discussed this briefly before we got on on the air, but. This the season's a condensed season. We've heard a lot of WNBA fans talk about this. And what that means is the same amount of games, guys, so don't worry, you're not losing out on games, but it's going to be less rest time, less, you know, oh, we're playing a game on Monday and we don't have another game till Tuesday. And something Kurt and Kurt mentioned to me, and it's something that you've talked a lot about the importance of, is player development and scouting. So he said, look, our secret weapon last year was, yeah, we were young and we were hungry, but our secret weapon was that we were a scout-heavy team. We would spend a lot of time studying film, a lot of time studying our opponents because we have that space. We don't have that space anymore, which feeds into, I think, a lot of aspects of not only the draft, but we see teams that have kind of left us confused, like, oh, why are you just signing a bunch more vets? And and, And Kurt and I discussed this briefly, which is you have two kind of avenues of thought on this. You should be going either with the young legs because, you know, older people are going to need more time to recover. So you want young legs that can bounce back quicker and run it. Or you're going to want to be heading towards vet presence so that when you're down to the five, you know, your, your final five minutes or whatnot, you can trust that person to know what to do. Um, you have an interesting take on why it's important, but it's not going to win a, a championship. Well, the condensed schedule, you're, you're right. I mean, it does change it does change things, and it changes that dynamic as far as resting. You know, like you said, you're going to have to rest players if you have three games in a week, and most of these players play overseas, and so they need even more rest. But the playoff structure, ultimately, I feel like I just don't see that being a factor in the playoffs. So that's what I'm saying. Connecticut's death is a blessing in the regular season. You know, them and Atlanta probably have the deepest rosters as far as like several bench players that would be starting on other teams. But again, in the playoffs, when you're in a one-game playoff, as they were last year against Phoenix, a game which they had a comfortable lead and blew it late, who is going to be in there? And I think, you know, one thing we can talk about with this team is it did seem like in that game against Phoenix, there was an element of playing hot potato. You know, for a team like Phoenix, you know, okay, Griner and Tarazi, bring it home. Who, who, who is the kind of go-to, we need a bucket on this team? Um, that's something I, I'm curious to see how that develops. Again, in the regular season, that doesn't really matter. You play team ball. You move the ball. You run your sets. You don't have to have anyone be the star. And in, in the playoffs – you should try to do the same, but there are games that come down to a couple possessions and you're well scouted in the playoffs and teams take away what you want to go to initially. And you sometimes just need somebody to make a play. And that's what's so curious to me about this team. You know, who on this team is an elite isolation player at their position? Let's start with the bigs like Jones and, and, and Shanae are, very, very good centers, but what they're elite at is rim protection, rebounding, um, their versatility, 
Um, I'm not sure they're elite, elite, elite post-up players in the way a Sylvia Fowles or a Griner is. And then you've brought this up before that their guards, they don't necessarily have that kind of go-to score type. So uh, I know we're being picky here, but I feel like that is maybe the one flaw of this team is the ability to go ISO in a playoff situation when they need to. I, I really want to hear uh, how do you see them – who on this team do you see can maybe evolve into that? Well, it's an interesting way that you put that. Isolation ball was, now this team, if you're looking at the deep stats on them, are, I mean, the stats are stacked. They're, they're ranking top in the league in, in offensively and defensively and all over the board. But something that really stood out to me was three things that they lack on defense and offensively. Isolation ball. All right, cuts and off the screen. Now, off the screen offensively, I'm going to give them a pass on that. But when you're looking the isolation ball, all right, offensively, they were second last in the league or third last in the league. And defensively, they're second to last in the league. Now, to me, that speaks volumes about who is going to be that player who can be that shooter, who can say, I'm going to I'm going to squat up and I'm going to do this. You know, you got a lot of players who can shoot. Alex Bentley can shoot. Strickland can shoot. Williams can shoot. You know, Melissa Thomas last year couldn't shoot a free throw, but she could shoot. You know, Bantam can shoot. You got players that can do the things, but who's going to be that person? And that's what you're asking. And yeah, we're getting picky with this team. You're a top contender. You know, you're the number three team in the league going in, or number three team going into the playoffs, essentially. And and in the power rankings, arguably a top two, uh, top two team or definitely a top four team. You need to be picky because at this point, and I kind of think that has to do with the way Kurt was was kind of wording things, which was when when Kurt says to me that he's focused on, you know, it's a long season and it's really condensed, so we need depth. To me, that says he's not looking at the single round elimination anymore. He's past that. He's looking at the series and, you know, he's being realistic and saying, yeah, we might have to win. Again, I'm putting words in his mouth, but like, He's saying we might have to win a one and done game, but once that's done, we're hitting we're hitting the series and we're taking on you know a vet heavy team that's old that's really old in the links and a vet heavy team in the sparks. You know we want to have that depth because we're not in a one game do or die anymore. We're in a series. I can't answer your question. Who's going to be that shooter? I wouldn't be surprised if that's who this team looks for. Somebody who is just a fallback shooter uh, in the draft. I don't know necessarily you're gonna you're gonna find that person with how stacked this lineup is though. Yeah, though I do th- I could see Courtney Williams um, actually evolving into that role. Um, you know, when you need somebody to make a play in the pick and roll or in isolation, it you know that's obviously tends to be a guard or a wing. Um, you know, last year she averaged twelve points a game. Uh, you know. Her three-point percentage—it's climbing. It was—it was only at thirty-two. You'd like to see that get up to thirty-five, thirty-six. But I think—I think it can get better. But she was forty-nine percent from the field, um, and she was someone who could, you know, get middle penetration and make a play in isolation. But I'm not sure she was fully comfortable and ready to do it in a playoff setting, as we saw against Phoenix. To me, she's kind of that candidate. Um, who on the current roster you're saying yes Courtney Williams to me is that candidate who could take that leap um and if she can get up to you know 16 17 points a game with a better three you know that could really push them um you know into a deeper run in the playoffs I think I've been watching a lot of her games over um she she played overseas I believe for the Perth Lynx um in the Australian Basketball League and yeah, I saw her take some big steps forward. And I think that's kind of what we're going to see from a lot of these players on this team, which is why it's a tough situation because, you know, they vibed and they worked so well last year. and They had a system. They had an identity. Now, going into this year, the face of your franchise, who literally had to be distanced from the team due to contract issues and, and not contract issues between them. But she was injured and they didn't want to use that as one of their roster spots. So they had to suspend her for the year as the way it works in the W. But so Shanae's coming back, 
So automatically, I think to a certain extent, the identity of this team is going to shift. And I think a lot of these players, a lot of those starting five players now go overseas, have that confidence from balling out and just having a great season in the W. And now they go and they're, you know, as we all know, we all talk about WNBA players, when you're on a team overseas, you're kind of, you are the star. So it's a lot less of a team mentality. So I think that will do wonders for the likes of JJ, for the likes of Courtney Williams, um, and other players who can now say, you know, all right, I did, I, I got together and we know how to work as a team and I know how to be that unselfishness. But at a certain aspect, at a certain time, you're going to need someone to stand up and say, I'm taking this last shot and I'm going to make it, you know? Yeah. And I think that needs to be Courtney Williams. Um, and then obviously Alex Bentley as well is another player who can do that. But, you know, I, I actually really liked her in kind of that six woman role um, because I think she is a pure scorer. And at five, seven, you know, to ask her to play like a bigger starting role, I think, you know, there's some questions defensively. And I think she's the type of player who comes in, looks for her shot in a good way, right? Like she's a spark plug. She can come in and score six to eight points in bunches. And um, typically someone in that role, like you're not necessarily running your offense as much when they're in but they're able to score. So I, I feel like it's going to be, it's got to be Bentley or Williams, but then that begs the question, are those options when you, again, and we're just talking compared to Minnesota and LA, because like you said, this team is so good. We're discussing them as contenders. So from that perspective, when you get against the likes of a Minnesota or an LA, are those scoring options good enough um, with the game on the line to make plays? Um, especially against teams like LA who might have an Elena Beard guarding Courtney Williams or a Minnesota who, you know, might have a Lindsey Whalen or Maya Moore um, or Simone Augustus, you know, locking, locking her down. Um, then you might say, well, maybe this is a team that's going to play through John Quell Jones in those moments or through Jasmine Thomas in the pick and roll. And then you kind of question, are any of these players elite enough offensively? to make a do-or-die play? I, I think that argument has validity only, and a lot of a lot of Connecticut fans are going to jump up and say, what are you saying? Of course they do. And, you know, if players or coaches are listening, they might jump up and say the same thing. But I think there's validity to asking the question because of the age of these players and because, you know, going into the playoffs, I think a lot of people thought they they would be – making it past the Mercury um, and moving forward to take on, uh, you know, uh, one of the teams that went to the finals. But that didn't happen because they didn't have that big playability. They, nobody was willing to embrace the spotlight like they did throughout the rest of the season. Nobody was willing to say, you know, I'm taking, uh, you know, the Kirby Puckett line, just hop on my back and I will carry you to victory or whatever it was, you know, like they need that mentality, but you're going to, but I think, the beauty of this team is you're going to have those times where you're facing the links and Courtney Williams gets shut down on offense and you still have your John Quell going up against a top tier player in Sylvia Fowles, or, you know, they're going up against the Sparks and you got CP and NECA. First of all, I mean, I mentioned this to you. I see a lot of similarities just in assuming that uh, you're starting Shanae and JJ, I see a lot of similarities of, of, of the Sparks and, and the Sun. Now, I think if you're asking me, you know, out of the top three teams that we've talked about, in our opinion, are the Sun, the Lynx, and the Sparks. In all honesty, like, depth-wise and just roster-wise itself, it's hard to go against Connecticut. And I'm saying, like, you can make the argument in any direction, all right? You got Elena Beer, the best defender in the league, all right? Then you got Candace Parker, the most flexible player in the league's history. And then you got someone like NECA who's just, I mean, her skill set is hasn't reached her top yet even. And so, and then you got, you know, crazy wings. But for me, they're, the Connecticut's on that level. They, they don't necessarily have, like, someone who's had a breakout season or a big-name season like Amaya Moore or Sylvia Fowles. But you do have 
you know, star power on this team. Maybe not, you know, the five stars that the mainstream media would like us to think of, but this team is up there. Absolutely. And, you know, like I said, if they can get past that one game playoff, you know, and I think I, 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 I was a little overreacting of saying who's going to step in that big moment um, because a lot of games don't come down to that and a series doesn't necessarily come down to that. It's just, again, and I'm not a fan of the one game playoff, by the way, but um, that's kind of my only concern. But if they can get by that one game playoff, I mean, yeah, this is a team that can take LA or Minnesota to five games with their depth because they're the one team that just, they can put out a lineup for 40 minutes that has no holes. You know, most teams, even elite teams, tend to have some liabilities on the court at times, right? We saw Minnesota's bench at times, even in the finals, they had to give minutes to some players that were somewhat of liabilities. Um, LA, I mean, again, they lacked some, we've, we've said they were one guard away. You know, they had to give minutes to Raquana Williams, who maybe was still injured or wasn't quite ready. Uh, Natasha Howard on Minnesota, not sure she was that productive in the finals. Whereas Connecticut really can go with eight or nine players that um, really aren't, you know, flawed in any major ways, right? They don't have like a, they well, don't have me, like just a straight offensive liability in their main rotation. Well, exactly. And I think to add on to that, think about it this way. We're obviously this is a perfect world where, you know, there are no egos and you don't have anything, any issues with that, but all right, JJ starts, let's say, and Shanae comes off the bench. You don't like you're saying you don't have that issue. Like imagine having, you know, uh, Candace Parker. Oh, Candace Parker is logged in a bunch of early minutes, so we gotta let her sit, rest her legs a little bit. Oh, but don't worry, Neca's coming in to replace her. You know what I mean? And and I mean that in uh, in the sense of like you're there the drop off typically from top teams. You know, if you're talking MVP Sylvia Fowles to uh, Tammy Feg Bentley. Or uh, or Natasha Howard or whoever's taking in for that, there's always that drop. I think that's why the Minnesota team um, a few years back that had Janelle McCarvel and Sylvia was a really interesting one because if Janelle was healthy at that point, when you when you take out Sylvia and you can have the ability of putting in a backup player or someone coming off the bench, I hate using that term backup, someone coming off the bench who there isn't that huge drop-off who is still an elite player, it's so hard to compete with that. It forces the other team to start being reactive instead of setting the tone. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's going to be their big advantage. Um, and I even like Brianna Jones, who didn't v- play very much last year. She was their um, rookie center out of Maryland. I mean, she's another center, 6'3", who I still think has a lot of potential. Um so this team is very deep, you know, and they're going to have the ninth pick in a draft where they're going to potentially get a rotation type of player at nine. So, again, if there is a weakness, like I said, it's, um, you know, they do have smaller guards and younger guards that they don't necessarily have kind of a go-to type of score at the guard. So, you know, if at some point this season near the trade deadline they're looking to make a move, I'd see it more being maybe trying to trade one of their front court players um, to, get, to get maybe another wing um, or guard. But again, we're, we're kind of nitpicking here, which I think is what we, what we did with LA and what we'll do with Minnesota because we, we both agree those are the top three teams. So we're just kind of trying to assess like w- what's going to ultimately be the difference when you're trying to predict who's going to win the championship. I agree. I mean, the the question boils down to how are they going to compete against the two other top teams in the league? And now I know I kind of alluded towards that with with the phone call with Kurt, and he he rebuked he uh, rebuted or came back at me saying, honestly, he thinks, and this is his words, not mine, that that roster wise at least the Dream are the number one team in the league and deserve to be in that conversation. So, you know the. the to me, it's these three teams. It's the Lynx, the Sparks, and the Sun, and no specific order, and I mean that wholeheartedly. Um, 
I honestly think you can make a, a very good legitimate argument for the Sun to be a top team. And that's why, like you're saying, we need to get nitpicky. We need to start saying, well, you know, in transition ball, they're freaking amazing. But then you look at defensively off the screen and they're really weak. They're the worst in the league. You know, you're looking at isolation ball. They're second in the league. Uh, or second worst in the league defensively. So there's there's still things that this team, aspects of things that I feel could be their strength. Off-screen defense with a young team that can move like them should not be such a big weakness. And I think that's going to come with, with a little bit more vet savviness on each individual player. But again, you have less time to do player development on this on this condensed season. So I think that, I mean, if you're Connecticut, there's a good argument to say you're in the best position in the league. I mean, you're one of the top contending teams. Your roster is young. None of the players on your roster are in a contract year. So you don't, you're less likely to have ego issues. Um, and as we learned from last year, somebody who has the personality and had been a starter for this team is willing to take a, a, a secondary role, a bench role in Alex Bentley. And possibly we're going to see that again this year with Shanae. And I think, just based off of once we know Shanae is fully healthy and we see how she's used, we're going to get a real sense of of what style of team this is. Not just how they play, but now, about their I, mentality. I do want to ask one question. And, and do you think Shanae coming back, and this isn't even an X's and O's point, but does it have the potential to disrupt the chemistry and what they built last year? Um you know, I'm looking at their start. They had three all-stars in their starting five. And Jasmine Thomas, Alyssa Thomas, and John Quill Jones. Then you have a shooter in Shakina Strickland and a scorer in Courtney Williams um, with Morgan Tuck and Alex Bentley off the bench. Um, I mean, they have just they had just such the perfect chemistry last year. And their starting five just really fit together well. And no matter how much they say it's about the team, it's about the team, players have egos. You know, w- one difference I do want to point out is LA and Minnesota, um, they're, you know, they have veteran players. The thing with Connecticut is they're a young team. You know, Alex Bentley, Courtney Williams, John Quill Jones, Alyssa Thomas, these players are all in their first three, four, five years in the league. So, Asking players to take huge cuts in minutes and roles, um, it's different than when you're asking a Planet Pearson to take a different role. It's different than when you're asking maybe Cappy Pondexter, who's coming to LA, to come off the bench. Those are veterans who understand what it takes to win a championship. So my question to you is, and I'm again, I tend to focus on X's and O's, but this is a, a chemistry question, is could this really just somehow completely backfire where roles shift and young players who made all-star teams and feel like they're evolving into points in their career where they're becoming stars now suddenly have to take less minutes? I mean, could this all blow up? Obviously, there's that possibility. Um, from what I've seen from this team, I think it's, it's a slim possibility. I think you have somebody in Shanae who is going to join this team, not reluctantly, but on a quieter tone than she would have a few years ago. And rightfully so. Um, I think a lot of that, if, if, if there is going to be something that kind of puts a clog in it, it will be obviously this, but even more so, it will be that she wasn't with the team last year during all of the, the amazingness that happened. So and what I mean by that is, it's one thing for her to not be playing, but be there in the locker room, be there at, at practice and things, and being involved so she still has that camaraderie with the players. But now what we're talking about, and to what your point is, is this is somebody who was not involved with this team last year. So this is a completely different, you know, mindset. It's kind of like going off to going off to boarding camp or something, and then you come back and all your friends you know, there's a new person in the group or your friend group, the whole dynamic changed. Things are going to be different. And it's really going to tell in the first little bit of how they can meld together. How do they transition into each other? I think, you know, as, as an organization, they do a good job of laying it out. This is what our goal is. And I think, yes, these players are young, 
but they're wiser beyond their years. I don't see it being an issue, but I don't. I also don't see this staff, this coaching staff, in this this front office saying, you know, halfway through the season, oh, this is an issue. I don't see them being afraid to pull the trigger on a trade to make it, you know, work better. I think no matter what, with a young team, things are going to be different this year. Really different. Different players are going to. Their ego's been stroked a little bit overseas. You know, they had a really good season. So-and-so made the all-star team. So-and-so felt she should have made the all-star team. Yeah, they had three people make the all-star team, and that team was a powerhouse. But maybe there's two other people who felt they should have made the all-star team. And I, I don't see it happening, but I think there's definitely a lot to be discussed about a possibility of that happening. And I think that has to be kind of, besides who's starting and how J.J. and, and uh Shanae are going to play together, I think that's the biggest question mark. Can they meld back together? And I don't know if any of us could really answer that. I don't even think Kurt or any of the players can answer that until they get on the court, start throwing some bows and start draining shots. Yeah, I mean, we'll have, we'll have to see. Um, I mean, those are kind of my biggest questions. Um, the only other, I mean, and, and I know we've, we've talked a lot about Connecticut and want to get to New York, and that was kind of the only last thing is like, Man, should they think about shopping her, um, especially before the draft? I mean, and and trying to move up from their ninth position and really come and get a wing because I see in Gabby Williams, DeShields, and Vivian's potentially three elite wings in this draft, and you know you you have Shanae there that you could potentially dangle for a blockbuster move. Yeah, I mean, she could fit into a lot of systems, obviously, barring her health. Um, there's a lot of places. I mean, we didn't even get to get into draft, really, with the Sun. Um, we are going to skip over to the New York Liberty. But this is great because, you know, again, this is a, a six-week deep dive into each team. So we talk about two teams a week, half the segments for one team, half the segments for the other team. But we're going to come back to these teams and dive again and say, all right, this is what we learned. And now let's talk to some players. Let's talk to some coaches. And, and get different insight on this, and maybe that will change it. Um, I think the Sun and the draft pick, really interesting, even if you don't think about a trade. I think if you're the GM, you have to think about a trade. But if you're not thinking about the trade, it's a stacked, this is a stacked, stacked uh, draft that I think you're going to see, based on what the Sun would want to get out of the draft, you're going to see that a lot of top-tier talent in that position available when it comes down to them, even though they're later on the draft. Um, I don't want to harp too long on the sun because we've already gone over by seven minutes. So let's knock on over to the New York Liberty. Uh, we all kind of know the story of us being in the shadows. The team went up for sale. That doesn't really have to do with the team. But the reason I mention it is because that had to have obviously affected Katie Smith's ability to pick players to join her team. And what we saw was she really built a similar roster, essentially the same roster that they had last year. Um, do you think that this team, I know I have my opinion on this, do you think this was a team that, with that same roster they had last year, has the ability to do much better than they did last year? Or do you feel that, you know, at the they're, they're kind of hitting the wall with what, who they have? Well, last year they, you know, they made the playoffs, they finished fourth. So with a similar core of talent, I think it would be unfair to completely write them off. But I don't know. When I'm bouncing around the league and I think about, you know, okay, you got LA, Connecticut, Minnesota, you know, that's three. Then you got Phoenix, you know, that's a like very likely playoff team. Um, you know, that's four teams. Then you look at Dallas as a team that made the playoffs last year. Um, that's five. You know, you look at Washington, who, you know, it's going to be tough without Miesemann, but still has. You know, Deladon, who's a top three, four player in this league. And now you're starting to run out of room as far as playoff stuff. And I really think New York is going to be kind of in that race for the seven and eight seat. Um, I think they're going to take a step back this year. I think last year they were firmly in the playoffs at the fourth position. And I think next year, um, I think next year, they're going to they're going to be right there with Seattle and Dallas and Chicago, um, fighting 
you know, fighting for their lives to make the playoffs. Because also Atlanta is another team that I think is going to be a lot better. So I think like, you know, you look at this league and Indiana is obviously rebuilding and Las Vegas um, is still in a rebuild, um, though they're, you know, more aggressively moving forward. But the other 10 teams are going to be right there. And I think New York, not so much of, not so much because they got worse, but because other teams made upgrades and they didn't, I think they're going to take a bit of a step back. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, New York was one of those teams that, and this is me, I've been harsh on Bill Lambier a lot and his coaching style. And again, this is just my opinion. I, he obviously has the hardware, but I think the way I kind of look at it, and I mentioned this to, to Kurt, not to go back to the sun, but I mentioned this just as, as an overall league, I feel like we're more and more splitting into old school WNBA and new school WNBA. And we've seen, you see that in a lot of professional leagues as, you know, you start honing your skill in different aspects. For the women's game, I think it's a much more availability to early tools and resources that, you know, older players like Cheryl Swoops or even Candace Parker didn't have that these new young players do have from the get until they get to the league. The Liberty, I think transition ball is so important in this current WNBA. You need to be able, even if you have a big, you know, a true center, you need to be able to run the court. And just to look at a quick stat, defensively in transition ball, they rank 10th in the league. All right. Offensively, they were 12th. They're not built for that. And that's why I'm, I started by saying old school versus new school, because I see, excuse me, I see that this team is built in an old school manner. All right. Kind of a juggernaut style beat you. They have some finesse, but they're, they're, I mean, like is Tina Charles. And in my mind, this is just my opinion, my hot take. Tina Charles has been carrying this team and not to say that she can't carry this team, but she can't carry this team to a championship. Yeah, I mean, as great as she is, there's just not enough athleticism and talent around her. And this team really struggled to score the basketball. Um, you know, it was a great defensive team last year because you had so much size and rim protection. And they do have some physical guards, um, you know, in Epiphany Prince, um, Brittany Boyd went healthy. Um you know, as well as Sugar Rogers. But they, you know, one thing they really lacked last year was kind of a point guard. I felt like their offense, and partially it was injuries, but I feel like they were always just searching for someone to step up in that role. And because of that, they couldn't consistently get into what they were trying to do offensively. And then when you're relying on, you know, as good as Epiphany Prince is, you know, going to be in her ninth season, and she had her injuries herself, like, Again, another team that just doesn't really have like a go-to guard in that sense. There's it's just like a lot of intriguing pieces, but it's kind of not clear like, you know, who should be out there between, you know, a Bria Hartley or a Becca Allen or, you know, they had Lindsay Allen, a young point guard, Boyd was injured. Um it's like a lot of right, zealous. Um zealous. You know, a lot of nice pieces, but I just don't think they're as talented as a lot of other rosters in their backcourt. And so now you're asking Tina Charles to do way too much. Well, I think it's interesting because I think I'm trying to remember which team we were talking about being a team that's filled with, with sixes and sevens, like your roster is six and sevens, you know, players that you'd throw in, they wouldn't necessarily be starters, but they would be solid you know, coming off the bench to fill specific roles. And I, I think that was with, uh, with what was it, Chicago? Or it doesn't really matter. Because what it boils down to yeah. is, or no, it was Indiana. Indiana full of that. Um, what To me on this team, what it boils down to is 100%. You watch this team on the tape, and I've, I've seen this team live a good amount last year. When they're coming down the court, they don't have an identity. And that ended up screwing them because – Yes, they're asking so many things from Tina Charles, but I don't even think the way you put it, at least the way I understand it, was that you can't ask all these things of her. The way I'm going to put it is you can ask those things of her, but because you don't have a true guard 
to get down there and set up an offense, you're not using Tina Charles to the best of her ability. I don't think, like this team asks a lot from Tina Charles. And I think she can give them even more if you just give them the opportunity of, and, and like I think they're missing, like you said, a starting point guard. If they can get a starting point guard to get in there and control their team on offense, I, I mean, watching them, I saw a lot of that. Tina Charles couldn't get in position to set up. They just didn't have enough time. You know, their their point guard wasn't right. noticing that I, he I didn't mean, have enough time. He didn't take and some time. Unfortunately for, for them, now, they're going to be picking 10th in the draft. So, um, you know, the the, two, the three big point guard prospects in Mitchell, Canada, and Brown, I don't think will be available. And then it drops off severely. So I don't know. I don't see them getting one of those prize point guards in the draft. Now, if Brittany Boyd comes back or, you know, Lindsay Allen, who's going to be a second-year point guard out of Notre Dame, you know, maybe she takes a leap. Uh, but, you know, asking Brittany Boyd and Lindsay Allen if those are your point guards, again, they're both those players are young enough that they could still improve. But that's why I say this is a team that's going to be fighting to make the playoffs because neither have proven consistently yet to be able to stay healthy and productive for a whole season and run an offense. And and then, like I said, that secondary issue is now you're asking your off guards, Epiphany Prince, Chavante Zellis, and Sugar Rogers, who would all be, I mean, you take any of those three, like you said, if they were the, the sixth woman, even for, for the Sparks or the Lynx, I mean, they'd be perfect. But I feel like now they're having to play these huge roles where, um, you know, I remember in the playoffs last year against Washington, they were having to try to create and go one-on-one and isolate. And, you know, at this stage in their careers, especially for Prince and Zealous, um, ideally those are shooters. And then Sugar Rogers is a shooter primarily as well. So they have some shooting ability, but they just don't have guards that can really break people down, get off the dribble, you know, force the defense to help, and then and kick out. And so what that leads to is a lot of stagnant offense or one-on-one post-up play. Which has not done well for them. Now, it's something interesting that I want to I want your take on a player who a lot of people criticize the amount of minutes she was getting and the style of play she was getting out there. Amanda Zowie B. Now, obviously Minnesota connection, so I'm a little bit more aware of her skill set. But girl can ball. And we saw that a couple seasons ago, but then we didn't see it this past season. Do you think that that's somebody that, you know, the combo of her and Tina Charles maybe could start creating something where they get so strong in the front court that it kind of takes some pressure off their backcourt? I mean, I'm a big fan of Bria Hartley. So, like, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of players on there that can score and can be even a starting point guard, but they don't control the offense. Do you think that getting a better, you know, a better true center in there or something like that could be an element that kind of, you know, takes the pressure uh, off the backcourt I mean, they, a little bit? They have a lot of size, right? So I, I don't really, that's the thing. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. They don't, they have a, a lot of centers, um, you know, Kia Vaughn, Kia Stokes, Amanda Zowie B. And, you know, I think the best prospects at the 10th pick is likely to be, you know, a, a four or a five, someone like Monique Billings from UCLA. So, I mean, I think their, their front court is kind of tapped out and they have a lot of wings. Um, I, I really think it's just, unfortunately, like we said, it's they have depth. It's a weird team because – on one hand, you're like, wow, they don't have a lot of star players or, or true elite players, but they actually are a deep team. But like you said, it, they're deep in players that really should be coming off the bench who are being forced into bigger roles. I mean, something interesting, I, I was at the game uh, that uh, Brittany Boyd got injured, and she, what she can do for this team, I mean, the things that we're talking about this team lacks in, someone to kind of set the pace and control the offense and, and be that kind of, I, I like to say the Zen person, kind of to say, all right, guys, calm down, focus, this is the play we're running, kind of. 
she has that ability and she showed it, but coming off of, it was a gruesome injury. All right. How does she still have that spark? All right. Because I think a lot of people on the Liberty fan base kind of saw her as being that answer that they've really lacked in for a while. You know, obviously she's come back from an injury, so you're going to have to ease her back into it. But again, like you're saying, is there somebody in the draft that they can pull onto their roster that can give them that? Is there? There's a lot of players coming from this draft, but a lot of the players, a lot of skilled players coming from this draft, but a lot of the players that they would want to look at might be gone because they're not looking necessarily for, you know, like Connecticut, the lights out shooter. They're not looking for, you know, a face of the franchise. They're looking for a very, very specific point guard. And with teams knowing that, yeah, I feel like I mean, you can play against the that. The short answer is I don't think nope. any of the four elite guards will be available when they pick 10th. And I like Brittany Boyd, but as you mentioned, I mean, an Achilles injury is a nasty injury. You know? Um, so there's no guarantees of what she's going to bring when she comes back. So... I think, like I said, the best prospects they'll be able to get is probably, you know, another big. Um, and maybe that's what this team needs to do is just say, you know what? Like, we're going to be a team that slows it down. We're going to be a team that just puts a ton of size out there and, and kind of zigs while everyone else is zagging or whatever it might be. Because um, I think maybe that really, you know, as much as it was frustrating last year and years past of their inability to score and how they slowed it down, like, Maybe for this roster, that's just that's kind of the style they have to play. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think you can hurt yourself more by not committing to a style of play than necessarily committing to a style of play that most teams aren't doing or isn't a league standard. With this team, I think you might be in that situation like you're saying. Something I just want to throw out there just looking at how they define their players on their website, on their roster. Kivon, center. Zowie B, center. Stokes, center. Charles, center. Now, obviously, I think you're playing Charles more as... as If, you, if she's playing center, that's going to be your smaller lineup. Not height-wise, necessarily, but she's just so much more movable and athletic than their other players. So, typically, she's playing the four. So, I'm just kind of curious, you know... Having Kia Stokes, Kia Vaughn, and Zowie B as your center, you know, um, I, I think for them it's almost well. That's why I think they need to take. What do you do you when know, Tina comes off? I would off. really be targeting, like I said, Billings of UCLA. Um, I think they they can get talented scoring in the front court in this draft in the tenth pick, and um, like I said, I think their best bet at this point is just to kind of double down on their size. Yeah, I mean, if, if they don't do that, I'm just kind of curious. The thing that's so interesting, I think, with this team is you have Katie Smith, who was coached under Bill Ambeer, and then coached with Bill Ambeer, and then is now taking over. And so now she gets the reins. Now, her coaching philosophy, you, you can argue this, but her coaching philosophy, to a certain extent, has been shaped by Bill Ambeer, who has much more as we dubbed it, old-school WNBA style. So I wouldn't be surprised if they doubled down. I mean, he's, he's again, we're basing this off of the style of, 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 of coaching that he's done in the past because we don't know how she's going to do it. She might completely throw a wrench in it and, you know, get rid of all of her centers and just run a crazy, crazy format we haven't thought of. That's totally possible. But I think more realistically, they're going to double down at what they're good at and try and strengthen that because of their position. But then looking, I don't want to look too far in the future, but then if, you know, they're a bubble playoff team, they get a much better draft pick next year. And next year's draft is also supposed to be really deep. So, I mean, are you playing, it's the balance of playing the long con, the long game versus the short game. Well, right, where this you is kind a team that I hate to say it, the but line they of, should where tank. I'm putting my attention. You know, they're not good enough to win a title right now, but if they take, you know, someone like if they get a pretty good player at the 10th pick and then t tank and then now next year you're in the mix. I mean, 
somebody like Asia Durr, who's going to be in next year's draft, potentially, who people are saying is, you know, that generational top five WNBA player type of talent. I mean, this is a team that kind of needs that, you know, I'm not, I'm not comparing them to Indiana or San Antonio as far as obviously they were one of the better teams. Sorry, Vegas or Indiana. I mean, obviously they were way above them, but I think, hear me out. Is it fair to say similar to those bottom teams? They're a team that just really lacks and really needs like an all-star caliber wing or guard. They just don't have it right now. And that's why I think, you know, like in the NBA, when you have these kind of middling teams, most people pretty much agree like the best route to title contention is to tank for a better draft pick at that point. Exactly. Got to trust the process. Well, I think there's there's a lot to be said about that. I think with them, you know, we've talked, you've talked about this a lot. We've talked about this a lot. A lot of needs for guards or wings. Um, obviously, the flex four is is something beyond that. That is is a uh, the hottest of commodities. But with this team, I think it's much more of a, a, a guard. They have guards that they can throw in to be wings. You know, they have players that they can throw in there, and and they can fit that position so much better. They just don't have that guard, and that's why, like I was saying before, they need to focus so like. You need to focus on a like a singular aspect of of a point guard's game. You have to be realistic of, you know, we're not these players are most likely not going to be on the board, so we can't waste too much time scouting them. Obviously, you need to do some scouting for those top talents because there might be some trades. You know, someone might pull uh, an overseas player in their top eight pick or something like that that you don't see coming. So you still need to pay attention to those top talents, but you need to find someone who can command the offense. You need someone who can command the offense, and I cannot Absolutely. say that enough. So, I, again, th- this roster is just limited. Um, and, I, again, with a first-year coach, again, my, my takeaway, you know, again, I, I don't want to judge too much till we kind of see how they play, um, but I see this as a team that is going to take a step back and fight for the playoffs. Um but, you know, they do have Tina Charles, so she gives them a chance in every game. So so that is something that they still can kind of cling to. I mean, she made a late push for MVP last season. So um, it, if you're a Liberty fan, that's kind of what you would hope, that she just, you know, if she can even get to a, another gear and just be so dominant that you're just still winning a lot of games, especially in an East kind of the east side i know in the playoffs they don't do the conferences but as far as scheduling you know maybe it's a bit of a lighter schedule but um i think that's where we're at with this team yeah i think uh, just one last thing on this team before we wrap up i think it's interesting how you know excited fans were when they made that that i think it was like a 10 game win streak to close out the season something like that and push them in and propel them to almost getting that number three spot. In the end, it didn't matter. They were in a one-and-done series, and they lost. But, you know, looking back now, and you're thinking to yourself, you lost Brittany Boyd, you know, early on in the season, and then from that point on, the team kind of sputtered and then finally kicked it into gear at the way end. And as a fan, as much as it sucks to see your team lose, you kind of are standing there and going, well, we didn't have a chance at winning the finals. Let's be real last year. We didn't. And now we're stuck losing out on a an opportunity to get a player who can really change our team and and give us that last piece because they don't have that good draft pick. So it's just like one of those things that as a fan, you're kind of like picking your poison. You know, happiness right now versus the prolonged happiness down the road. Um, it's, it's just a really interesting it, what if. You know, Brittany Boyd doesn't get hurt. Does she progress into a player who can do it? And now after getting that, I, I hate even like closing my eyes and thinking about the injury because like you could it wasn't a hear thing but you could see the pain you could feel her pain from the crowd and I didn't have great seats so that says a lot <laughs> um well everybody that is the end of our podcast for this week and we covered the Connecticut Sun and the New York Liberty an in-depth dive over six weeks into each team in the league 
Eli Horowitz, along with me, Arya Schwartz, and we're the WNBA Insiders. You can find me on Twitter podcast. at Coach Eli, Horowitz remind 13. the folks where they can find your work. Awesome. And uh, folks, if you've got any questions, you know, league-wide questions versus specific team questions, feel free to shoot that at us. Uh, we're pretty responsive on Twitter. Also, check out our Facebook page, WNBA Insider. Again, that's without an E. We've also started a group to try and just get fans discussing the league, what you'd like to see more of, less of, things of that nature. Um, get excited. Soon the jerseys are coming out and apparel's coming from Nike, so we're pumped. And a uh, quick reminder, this is WNBA Insider Podcast. Find us online on Twitter at WNBA Insider and online at our website, www.wmbainsider.com. Have a great night, folks.